party people! Well, welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer, and this week on the show, I am joined by my good friend Jess Levine for a game of Galactic Going Rogue 2nd Edition. Going Rogue is a GM-less tabletop role-playing game for two to five players, originally designed as an expansion for Riley Rethal's Star Wars-inspired belonging outside belonging game Galactic, whereas Galactic tells the story of larger-than-life heroes battling the mandate. Going Rogue tells the story of the messy, ugly, compromised world of people actually doing the work behind the scenes to bring down an overwhelmingly powerful menace. It is stories of sacrifice and stories of compromise. It is messy spy stories inspired by movies like Rogue One, and it absolutely kicks ass. I love Going Rogue so much. When Jess approached me and said there was going to be a second edition time for the release of Andor on Disney+, Plus, I was thrilled. I was so excited to sit down with play with this game, and we very quickly came up with a big, silly idea that I think turned into something truly, truly special that you hear on the episode. You see, you've heard us play Going Rogue once before when the game came out originally, uh, and today's episode, in honor of Andor, which is a prequel to Rogue One, is a prequel to that original Going Rogue game, and it specifically explores some of the changes that came about in Galactic Rogue 2nd Edition, including the addition of a brand new playbook, The Loyal, a character endlessly, passionately devoted to another character in the party, and a new setting element, The Bond, that represents the deep, unshakable connection that these two players share. The game is incredible. It tells the exact sorts of messy spy stories that are so, so close to my heart. Um, I love this game a whole lot. I really think you should check it out. The game has just dropped today on itch.io. You can find that at justfromonline.itch.io or check the show notes for more information. Uh, For the next week after the release of this episode and the game, there is a bundle available where you can pick up both Galactic and Going Rogue uh, for one low price. It's a great deal. You should go check it out. You can find more information in the show notes. One quick note before we dive in, a special thank you to our newest backers on Patreon, Kevin Gallagher, Daniel Alistair Osborne, and Scooby-Doo's dad. I appreciate all of your support for the show. Patreon backers get early access to episodes, ad-free access to episodes, bonus content such as Party of None, which is the single-player actual play I have been threatening to make for the last five years and am finally in active production on, and more. You can find more information for all of that at patreon.com slash jeffstormer or ko-fi.com slash jeffstormer. And with all that said, let's go ahead and throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. I could not be more excited. The more we've talked about this episode, the more excited I have been. I could not be more excited to be sitting down with Jess Levine. Jess, thank you so much for coming back on Party of One. Jeff, thank you for having me again. I can't tell you how much I love recording episodes on here, so I'm really excited for this. I'm so excited for today's recording. Like, I like the more we have talked about it and the more I've learned about, like, what this recording is going to be, the more excited I have gotten. Um, why don't you take a moment to let our lovely listeners at home know about what we are playing this week as well as anything else you've got going on that you might want them to know about? Yeah, so we are playing Going Rogue 2nd Edition. The first edition of Going Rogue released last year, and in fact, the very first actual play that of it that was ever recorded was on Party of One. Uh, and I decided that next month, uh, coinciding coincidentally around the Andor show, the Cassian Andor uh, television show, 
I'm going to release a second edition because Going Rogue is a game inspired by Star Wars Rogue One. It's an expansion for Riley Rethel's Galactic 2E, which Riley describes as Star Wars with the serial numbers filed off, uh, and which has also appeared on Party of One. And the thing is, the base game is fantastic and it's so good it's really it's good. incredible my my party that plays galactic we've written 150,000 words of short fiction in our galactic universe with our characters because we fell so in love with it that makes me so happy yeah no it, it honestly changed my life it's part of why i make games so galactic is fantastic um and i loved it so much and going rogue or sorry rogue one is my favorite star wars and so i I wanted to try and tell a story like that. And one of the things that I discovered is that Galactic is really well built to tell the stories of like larger than life, charming, but flawed heroes. And that's not exactly the stories that Going Rogue is telling. Going Rogue tells the stories of like troubled martyrs being like ready to sacrifice and give their lives. And it has a bit of a darker tone and it has a bit more like really strong um, and like high stakes character conflict. And so I said, I want to write a new set of playbooks that could be used to tell a story similar to uh, Rogue One. And that's how Going Rogue happened. There was a game jam for Galactic 2E expansions. And I was like, cool, we're going to make Rogue One into a tabletop game. Uh, And it was awesome. I'm so happy with how it turned out. But I always had dreams to do like a little bit more with it. I, you know, it was Game Jam. I only had so much time. So at release, it had four playbooks. And we'll talk about what those are, um, and two pillars. And that was pretty much it. So now, uh, for the second edition, I'm adding an additional playbook that you'll get to see today called The Loyal. Um, and it comes with its own pillar. And the base galactic system also has things that you give to NPCs to give them moves called traits. And now I've added some going rogue specific traits and just a whole bunch more text for like how to get the most out of your going rogue game. So in a nutshell, what we've got is a game inspired by Rogue One um, that is about the tension between survival and sacrifice, between democracy and decisiveness, between cynicism and hope, all of these like lofty ideals that are constantly in tension with each other. It's about exploring those through a game of Star Wars, but belonging outside belonging system. Um, And this is the second edition with all sorts of new content that we'll get to show today. I'm so excited. I, and specifically to talk a little bit more about what we're doing today, because, uh, because you pitched this to me, and uh, because I am me, and and it is never just enough to do one thing, uh, we have to do three things. Um, we are so today we are playing. This is a playtest of Second Edition. This is specifically uh, the first playtest of Going Rogue Second Edition, uh, which I'm very excited about. So if we talk a little bit more mechanically about the the nuts and bolts of the game, that's that's what you're hearing. And also the other half of this is. Uh, we are playing a prequel episode to our last session, so I'm going to be bringing back my spy playbook character, uh, I'm going to be bringing back Torch Saflam, I'm going to be bringing back Torch to, uh, show this character in a slightly different light a little bit earlier in his career, and we're going to build out our bond and our loyal playbook and then play out a scene with this character, uh, with these characters to to test out the new mechanics. And I'm really excited to see like how a no dice, no master. Like this is the first time on the show we're really like digging into like 
what happens when you pick up the same characters or like one of the same characters in the same worlds and setting elements. And I'm very excited to do that live on the show today. It's the most Star Wars thing too. Like a prequel? Hello? Mm-hmm. Like Pre- that, Star Wars, like Star Wars are like, it's prequels. Like it's prequels all the way down. And I could not be more excited to dig into this. I, when you suggested that to me, I was just like, this suddenly got 10 times cooler. Um, I'm so just, I'm so glad. I'm so glad because I, I, I felt the exact same way. And it's really neat to get to do this like play test with you. Play testing mm-hmm. is always like a really sensitive thing for me a lot of the time. And I'm feeling a little more confident because, you know, it's a released game. This is just like second edition new content, but play testing's tough. And I think a lot about uh Another uh, quote I heard about game design on a podcast that I can't currently remember, but about how like game design is playtesting. If you've written something, but you haven't playtested, what you have is an idea that you've written down um, and playing it and then seeing what happens is how it becomes a game. And so I just think it's really valuable for people who want to make games. And I think anyone who wants to should make games uh, to get to see what it's like to play a thing and go, does this work? Does it not work? Um, So I'm really excited just to get to do that with you live here. I'm I'm thrilled. I could not be more excited. So why don't we go ahead and dive in? We'll map out our characters and setting elements. Um, so I'm going to hand you the reins. Talk us through what, what you want us to, to cover down on in the order that you want us to dig into. Yeah, absolutely. So the like real 30-second version of the game, it's Belonging Outside Belonging, which is a system made by Avery Alder and Benjamin Rosenbaum. And so we will each choose a playbook from the five available playbooks, um, and that'll help us form our character. We will also... Uh, set up some pillars. Pillars are what Belonging Outside Belonging calls setting elements, but in Galactic they're called pillars, and these represent parts of the environment that can then act on our characters, and because it's a GM-less game, we inhabit those pillars. Um, Galactic has four pillars, which are the space between, scum and villainy, the mandate, and the liberation, and we'll talk about what each are, but then Going Rogue adds the parliament and the intelligence, And the very special thing today, and what I want to hone in on, The Loyal and the Bond. The Loyal is a new playbook, and it is inspired by K2SO, actually, um, and a little bit also by um, Baze and Chirut, uh, but I'll, I'll get back to that. And it is about a character who feels particularly attached to another player character. And the Bond is a pillar representing their relationship. So in the same way that like the forces of evil in the mandate or like all of the criminals or the mysterious force are a setting element, that bond between these two and potentially eventually more characters is a separate element that exists in the environment and acts. Um, and this was an idea that Seda, who's come on as a design consultant for for the second edition, had of just like, what if you represented it in a like in a setting element in a pillar? I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. I've never seen belonging outside belonging do that, right? It's so cool. It's like I was reading through it. You 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 shared the you shared the actual pillar and the. Like the the playbook, uh, the loyal and the pillar, the bond. Like you shared those with me, and I was reading through them, and that and the addition of the the addition of characters having moves that are specifically like tied to uh, that are tied to that bond is so unbelievably cool. Thank you. I'm really excited to test it out and see how it works because this will be this will be the first time. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the main setup. So we will pick our. Um, playbooks, but in this case, we've already picked and we will fill them out. And we will also fill out 
the pillars. Specifically, in Going Rogue, I recommend you start with two of the pillars. You start with the parliament and the intelligence, which are the new pillars in Going Rogue, and then you do your playbooks, and then you go back and do the pillars from the base game. So, um, if that's okay with you, I want to hop right into the parliament and the intelligence, and then we do our characters. Does that sound good? That sounds great. Awesome. So, um, for the character playbooks, we'll go ahead and read the like short descriptions under them. Uh, and for the base game pillars, we won't take the time to read all of it. But for the parliament and the intelligence, it is, if I'm just being straight up, the proudest I am of any writing and going rogue. So if you will indulge me in reading them, even though it was read in the previous episode... <laughs> I, I, I would ask nothing less. You, you've read my mind over the exact things that I want read. So uh, if you would like to read uh, one of them, I will read the other and then we'll choose our we'll choose our desires and work through. Them. Awesome. OK, so I will start with the parliament and then you do the intelligence. That sounds great. Cool. You also play the parliament. A revolution is nothing without its democracy. The Parliament represents a diverse range of forces, factions, and commitments, joining together to try and negotiate their differences and devise a plan that they can all share. At its best, the Parliament is a comradely collectivity and an example of how a more just galaxy would be governed. Sadly, democracy is not without its discontents. The Parliament is often slow to action, even when the situation calls for decisiveness. It can be conservative and conciliatory, aiming to keep the peace and avoid risk, when only daring action can move the galaxy to freedom. At its worst, the Parliament is a wrench caught in the gears of liberation. That's so good. It's really very, like, it's very good is the thing. Thank you. Do you want to read the intelligence now? They're sort of set up Absolutely. in parallel. Uh, you also played the intelligence. A revolution is nothing without its might. It is the liberation spies that enable its small fleet to succeed against a vast enemy. The intelligence is a clandestine network and messy hierarchy of burdened people who do whatever it takes to rid the galaxy of the mandate. At its best, the intelligence can turn a guaranteed defeat into a galaxy-inspiring victory. Sadly, intelligence work is not without its iniquities. It is possible to do great evils in pursuit of justice and difficult to walk that line without treading over it. Those in liberation intelligence position themselves to avoid oversight and accountability whenever possible, and are not above hurting those with good intentions. At its worst, intelligence corrupts the ethical and democratic principles that distinguish the liberation and the mandate. Thank you. So, an important thing I explained in the beginning in the design that I'll mention briefly is that neither the parliament nor the intelligence are the bad guys. The parliament aren't the bad guys for making you sit down in a meeting and actually talk about it before acting. And the intelligence aren't the bad guys for saying, actually, we just need to do this. And I know it sucks and there's going to be consequences, but we have to. It is about the tension between those two forces and how you actually act to create a better world and whether those actions will make the world better in the end. It's a tension between these two forces. Uh, so let's choose their desires and see how that tension plays out. That sounds good. So... Um, the parliament has a number of desires that you can choose between. We'll pick three of these. Consensus, caution, guaranteed victories, cross-class alliances, forces in reserve, popular support for the liberation, peace through compromise, a dream that never dies, lengthy deliberation, safety from retribution for the innocent, and ideological discourse. I will say really briefly that 
like you said at the top, we're doing something pretty pretty different, which is where we mm-hmm. have two characters already established and a world established, and then we're doing a prequel much earlier. So we'll probably want to draw upon some of the story ideas we already had in that and talk about where are they in this earlier time? How does it resemble that? Uh, that's exactly kind of what I was thinking as I'm looking through this, and I know uh, I know that I believe that like the two the, I know we chose lengthy deliberation last time. And maybe I think what I'd like to propose is I want to maybe choose a different desire from lengthy deliberation that maybe, and this is maybe, this is, this is, uh, as we kind of start to kind of, uh, kick into sort of the idle dreaming, the sort of imagining scenes and pitching storylines, I think what would be cool. And like, if I'm visualizing a prequel to the story we told last time, if this is, if this is a, a parliament that is in the process of becoming sort of choked by that deliberation. Like if this is a pro- a parliament that like is slowly becoming longer winded, that is really like a compelling place for a prequel to exist in. Yes. Very like galactic Senate in the first, uh, in, in the prequels. Um, yeah. I imagine either ideological discourse or caution would both like le- lend itself to a slowing I like ideological discourse a lot. I like that because that 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 idea that like people feel strongly about this and over time that calcifies into we have to map out all of these possibilities because like that also paints us in the very early phases of this of the of the liberation and of this kind of of this parliament like this parliamentary movement. Totally. Uh, And that is very compelling. So I might say that our second one is. I think like a very nice, a very nice like uh, balance to that is maybe a dream that never dies. Is that idea of, you know, the idea that 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 these people feel so strongly about this that at this moment the, this discourse is loud, it is aggressive, it is occasionally, it is occasionally violent, like it is fierce, but it is fierce because of a desire of like we believe that this is what we must be doing. Yes, absolutely. And I think for the last one, I'm leaning either cross-class alliances or popular support for the liberation. Because if we're imagining this being pretty early in the liberation, then I think what the parliament is about, like, sometimes you're telling a story and going rogue that is like, we have to survive. Like, the parliament is cautious because it doesn't want to die out. But in this case, it, it's because it wants to grow, right? Like, it needs to find the support that is going to make it big. And, um, and that was that was very much the story we told last time was like, the parliament is this large sort of behemoth thing that needed to be moved around the idea of picturing that in of that there's a real tragedy that comes from picturing the early days of that where it is like a a, it is a a movement that has potential that gets that get that becomes its own enemy in time yes do you think cross-class alliances are popular support for the liberation either of those captures that better i think popular support for the liberation is really what i'm i'm leaning on that idea that like the, the three of those together, popular support for the liberation, a dream that never dies, and ideological discourse, this is this is firebrand. These are firebrands, right? Like this yes. is a this is a this is a movement. This is a, a movement that is going to move the galaxy as long as the, it stays focused. And the tragedy is that like we see 
we've seen in the last time that it does that it has that it loses that focus yes we go from the the young dreamers who are like huge ideologues to the people like stymied by their own values and ideas yeah um awesome and also popular support for the liberation is the one desire that i added for second edition so it feels good to that feels good fall in. that feels good Cool. Um, before we go on to the intelligence, I'm realizing we keep referring back to this previous episode. Would you mind if I gave just like a 30, 45 second version of, of some of those events? Give a, you mean you mean you mean a Star Wars crawl? Yes. Give us a Star Wars crawl. Oh, my God. Absolutely. It's a Star Wars crawl. Let me let me get myself in that mood. 20 years ahead. No, not 20. We just said we said it like built up, right? 10 years, mm-hmm. 10 years ahead. 10, 10 feels good. 10, 10 feels, feels good. good. Okay. 10 years from now. The universe will be at a crossroads. The liberation has gained in size and strength, but its own internal divisions have stalled it and kept it from being where it needs to go. Our story will follow two individuals, a spy and a guardian in touch with the space between, who once fought to protect people and now fights because she doesn't know what else to do. This spy, under the direction of the Liberation Intelligence, needs to bring people like our lost knight into the Liberation and into the work that will finally end this long war. The two will be deployed onto a space station where they are to meet with criminals. Little do they know those criminals have already been tipped to their arrival. The ruthless spy, Torch Siflam, and the brave but jaded warrior, Lumia Daival, will have to use all of their wits and all of their skills if they are to survive this betrayal and bring back the plans for this new rebel technology. Fantastic. The fact, the speed with which you busted that out was uh, frankly inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. I, I don't know that it was quite Star Wars crawl in tone, but I at least hit the like narration. It felt right. It element. felt good. It felt good and it felt right. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So now that you know that that's where we're going, this uh, ruthless spy and this, this jaded ex-guardian um, slash Jedi slash Nova, um, we want to know, how did this spy become so ruthless? Mm-hmm. What is it in his past that put him in that situation? And that's what we'll be exploring with these. So speaking of ruthlessness, let's go to the intelligence. Would you like to read the desires for the intelligence? Absolutely. We have a chance to turn the tide of war, leverage over liberation members, the heads of mandate officials, classified mandate intelligence, reduced oversight, absolute obedience, secrecy, willing sacrifices to bear the heaviest burden so others don't have to any of these immediately jumping out to you um in turn like in turn with in so in line with what we've laid out for the parliament the one that jumps out to me is to bear the heaviest burden so others don't have to if this is like a huge populist movement if this is people so passionate that they are like that, that there is a sort of a rah rah energy of like, we are going to go change the galaxy. The idea that this intelligence has formed as, has formed as a like, as a, as a like, we have to do this, like, as formed as sort of an emergency, like, this is the, this is what we're doing to maintain that energy. 
Totally. There's a there's a there's a an urgency and almost an unpreparedness to that that's very compelling. Yeah, and I really like the idea that it's the like they recognize these people need to be able to be ideologues. They need to be able to be firebrands. They need to be able to look really good, mm-hmm. and that's not all the work that has to be done. So we have to take this on. It's not going to grow if they look bad. So that's yeah. on us. Yeah. Um, and that makes me think that the uh, one of the other ones that we should choose is secrecy. Secrecy feels good. Like, they really have to operate under the radar even more than they will later because they just can't make the movement look bad. Um, and and th- sorry, go ahead. No, go, you. There's one. So the, 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 the one, like, I think the two that I want to point to, and I'll, I'll ask you which of these, which of these feels better for this moment, for this, this prequel moment, this intelligence, this like very early phase intelligence. Are we going for the heads of mandate officials or are we going for mandate intelligence? I think it's classified mandate intelligence, right? Like, they'd love to start, like, guillotining some fast mm. heads, but what they're trying to do is prepare so that when they have the forces, they are able feels, to make use of it. That feels really, really great. Uh, that feels really good. And uh, this is, this is, this is, uh, I'm so excited. This is really, this is really getting my wheels turning. I'm so, there's a lot, there's a lot building here that I'm excited to play with. Me too. And also classified mandate intelligence was a new one. So I'm just like, so happy. We're like, I'm glad, checking the I'm boxes. Glad that we, I'm glad we played with them. I'm glad we played with the new toys. Okay. So we've got our parliament and our intelligence, which means it is time to loop back and do our playbooks. Um, so... Uh, would you like to read your playbook's short little pitch? Yes, indeed. Uh, is there... Hold on, let me just... Is there... Uh, uh, page 10. Page 10. The spy is a skilled operator, highly committed but ruthless. Their power comes from their cunning, determination, and willingness to do whatever it takes. Excellent. I'm going to read the other ones that we don't use, and then finally the new one that I'll be using, the loyal. Great. Other options include, you are the leveraged. The leveraged is a non-believer compelled by circumstance. Their power comes from their outside perspective, their desperation, and their capacity to grow. The leveraged was my attempt to make Jyn Erso an interesting character. (laughs) There's also the knight errant. The knight errants once served a cause and now searches for one. Their power comes from their experience, grit, and renewed passion. The Knight Errant was inspired by Baze and Chirut, and for those of you who listened to our last episode, Lumia Dival, uh, my Nova, which is Galactic Jedi, was a Knight Errant. Next we have The Convert. The Convert joined the Liberation recently and truly believes it can make a difference. Their power comes from their conscious optimism, energy, and luck. The convert is inspired by the pilot, uh, Bodhi, um, who just like comes into it, like really thinking he can change things, but doesn't really know how it works. Um, and the convert actually came from playtesting. It wasn't in the first draft, even of the first edition. It was just realizing there's so many loners and cynics among the spy, the leveraged and the knight errant that there needs to be someone who ties them together, who mm-hmm. makes them like have feelings for each other and the mission in a positive way. Uh, and that's where the convert came in. Love it. But there's now a second character who in some ways also does that, a second playbook who does that. That's our new one for second edition and who I will be playing, which is The Loyal. The Loyal is a stalwart friend, difficult to win over, but unwavering in their allegiance. Their power comes from their commitment, self-sacrifice, and unshakable care for those they are bonded to. 
And so this comes from K2 and the way that, for all the complicated reasons it's true in the movie, he is completely loyal to Cassian and will do anything to protect Cassian and to see Cassian's mission through. Um, But he doesn't trust Jin at all. That trust goes on to very specific people. And we see a little bit of the same thing with Baze protecting Chirut uh, as Chirut takes on his own mission. And so the loyal comes from that sort of character. It's also the same relationship we might see from someone like Chewie in other mm-hmm. movies. Um, and Chewie the- and, his, and his bond Yoda, yeah. <laughs> exactly, precisely. Um, so... Uh, I'm very excited to test out The Loyal with you. Um, There's also something pretty special about The Loyal. So um, every character, every playbook in a Belonging Outside Belonging game has two to three types of moves. In the base, in like the original game, it's you have strong moves and weak moves. In Galactic, you have strong moves, laterable moves, and vulnerable moves. Strong moves are you spending a token to have a really powerful moment that shows your character's strengths. Lateral moves, you give someone a token in order to get them to interact with your playbook in a way that makes narrative sense, and it's often to like do something important for them or have them do something important for you. Vulnerable moves are your character having a weak moment and showing their flaws, their weaknesses, their their emotions in a vulnerable way, uh, and then you gain a token. Um, all the books have this. Only the loyal has what's called a link move. Um, a link move uh, is a subtype. So two of Loyal's four moves or strong four strong moves are link moves, and two of the four vulnerable moves are link moves. Link moves are different depending on if you're doing them to just someone or someone you're bonded to. Because like we said before, the loyal picks a bond. And in this case, my bond is going to be torch. The bond is a pillar, and it says Revolutions are built on trust. Relationships forged in in struggle are how allies become comrades and rallies become rebellions. The bond is one such relationship or set of relationships. While While the liberation is full of people who care deeply for each other, the bond represents the unshakable connection between people who place their lives directly into each other's hand time and time again and demonstrates the strength which blossoms from that union. The bond honestly comes from my own organizing experience as well as like looking at K2 and Cassian where just like the actual thing that makes it possible to like Mm -hmm. engage in street anti-fascism is trusting the person next to you because they've put their lives on the line with you over and over. And you know that when shit hits the fan, they're going to be there for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And the bond is meant to capture it. So it only is added to the game if someone picks the loyal playbook. And then that person with the loyal, me, chooses another person, you, and our characters start with the Bond um, playbook. And then it can gain and give tokens doing pillar moves, just like the Parliament and the Intelligence can. And it gives our characters additional strong lateral and vulnerable moves. But you can only do them spending tokens on the pillar, not your own tokens. And the loyal has even more special mechanics, which, like I said, those link moves. When the loyal, if I want to appear at just the right moment to protect someone, that's one of my strong moves, I can spend a token and protect anyone. But if I do it to protect you, I don't have to give up that token back to the like supply. I put it onto the bond. Mm. So it's better, stronger. I get more from it if I'm protecting you. 
the vulnerable moves are the in- inverse. So for example, uh, chastise someone more harshly than the situation calls for. If I do that to anyone, I gain a token for like showing that vulnerability. If I do it to you, I have to take that token from the pillar. The pillar loses strength. Our bond loses strength because I do that to you. Um, and if there's nothing on the bond, I can't do it. And it's representative of that existing trust that I like have not gotten the point in the story where I could break. That's incredible. I'm I'm I've been looking at the, the this ball at this. I've been looking at the bond, and I've just been so excited to play with it. It adds so much to the game that I'm like thrilled to dig into it. Thank you. I'm so excited to hear that. Um, So if we're going to do that, I have to actually make a loyal. So we set ahead of time. I just chose some basic like my name, my look and my wardrobe styles. And you sort of already have Torch from the last Mm -hmm. session, but Mm -hmm. also it's 10 years earlier Torch. So some things will be different. So I think I'm going to go ahead and talk about my character's look and then we'll go through the backstory questions. Sounds great. Awesome. So my character's name is... Talara Thorne. She usually goes by tall. She has a scarred face and intense eyes. Her wardrobe style includes rugged but weathered clothing, a heavy blaster, and a stocky frame. Um, So I'm imagining just this like very large woman, uh, very muscled in her um, mid-30s, like like scars running across her face um her clothing is all like very practical very weather beaten she's clearly been using it for a long time but it's the sort of stuff that can hold up for a long time and she looks like the person who not only can step in front of you to take the hit but has stepped in front of you to take the hit Mm -hmm. many times and in torch's case probably specifically has done that for torch that's great i really i love that so much and yeah i am playing uh torch saflum a spy um, he is, his look is, I'm, I'm debating if I'm going to change it, but I'm going to, I got to keep his face because face of a friend feels right. Uh, I am going to change his eyes. He has nervous, uh, he has nervous eyes. I think that this is a younger, this is a younger torch, um, still kind of has the same ruthless heart, but has, has a cert, a distinctly like less certain energy. I think that this is a torch that has not. Been, has not put been put through that ringer that the intelligence will uh, like over time put him through. I think we're probably even going to see a little bit of that today. And I think that like the, that he has a certain doubt that he could that he could be the spy that the intelligence needs. I love so that. So he's uh, he still has that same frame. He is tall, he is lanky. Uh I have I have face casted the character as I do with every Star Wars character I play. Um, and I am visualizing if you visual like frame wise, face wise, like uh, posture wise, I am visualizing like I'm getting a lot of uh, like Bo Burnham in my head. He has this tall, lanky frame and this slightly like like his posture is sort of slanted a little bit. And he has this like jovial kind of face that also kind of hides a little bit of like both like wary menace and pain at different times and i picture a lot of that in torch i was just about to say the like simultaneously joyous but also you can tell there's something like both dark and nervous behind it you picked yeah. the perfect face cast yeah that's 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 the that's the vision that i have in my head and so like i think that yeah younger definitely like nervous eyes and his wardrobe here is 
uh, it is uh, as opposed to the future where it is a mandate uniform and a leather jacket. I think here it is. Uh, it is an oversized coat. Like it is a. Uh, it is an oversized coat and a concealable blaster. Yes. I think that like I think that it is um specifically like an oversized coat in the sense that it is like a like a like a military like bomber jacket type thing or the Star Wars equivalent but it is oversized it's clearly like pulled off of a rack as opposed to kind of like the more tailored leather jacket that we will see 10 years from now. I love that. Um I think for my next question, so now we're moving into like backstory questions, Mm -hmm. choose two qualities you respect and one that doesn't impress you. And this question can either be tailored to the person you already know you want to be bonded to, or it can help you if you're in a game with multiple people, pick who do I want to be bonded to, who resembles the qualities I respect and not, I don't, the ones I don't care about don't factor in. Um, I am leaning towards the two qualities I respect are determination and a sense of justice and the one quality i don't care about is honesty mm. um the that idea feels good. That, that feels good does that feel like it, it adequately sets me up to respect torch yeah that feels good perfect because what i'm envisioning here is sort of the idea that like she wants she doesn't see herself as a leader but she her, she wants to get stuff done and she wants to work for someone who wants to get stuff done, who wants to change things. And she understands that that work is not always going to involve being honest, including with her. Like she understands that she is a follower. She is a trooper. And that's okay. Some people need to do that. And that can be her. And she just needs someone that she can trust, has the right sense of justice, so that even if they're not telling her all the, the whole picture, she knows their moral compass is going to take them to make the difference she wants to make i love that i really love that a lot um cool so you can do your first backstory question uh choose one principle you have broken and one you will not break i am going to keep the same principle i will not break to allow harm by an action is to be responsible for that harm yourself uh the principle that i've broken uh i I, i'm going to change to say um i think I'm going to go with retribution is necessary against anyone who has brought harm. I think that, like, I think this torch is, as opposed to the torch that we see 10 years from now, who is of the view that, like, who is of the view that, like, burnt bridges are the name of the game, right? That this is a, this is a movement and a war that is burnt, that is fought on burning bridges. This is a torch that, has that that like has not hardened in that way yet and i think that that um like has maybe like actively maybe like um walked away from uh, uh from like an assignment or like an early assignment maybe that yeah i think that he's walked away from an early assignment that like the uh the the objective was accomplished but there was more harm or more harm, frankly, like to put it bluntly, there was more harm that could be dealt and more like objectives that could be achieved. There were there were maybe going back to those those principles of the intelligence, there were heads of mandate officials that could have been collected. Yes. Totally. And I think that like I think that we're seeing a torch that is starting to starting to to deal with that unease of 
is that on my hands? Like, is that on my hands that I that we that we prioritize this mission over m- as much justice as could be dealt? Yeah, I actually really think that that sets us up for a fun hook that we could explore and play, um, mm-hmm. which is the idea that someone that you like something that you didn't take care of, something you didn't destroy, someone you didn't kill comes back in the course of our story today. That feels really and compelling. that is where Torch starts to go, oh, actually, I have to be ruthless. That feels great. I love that. Yeah. So you didn't take retribution because you were like, I don't have to here. Um, and it it's going to bite you potentially today. Um, and for the uh, listener at home who hasn't heard the previous episode, there's also the dramatic irony of the principle that Torch has broken in the future is, uh, loyalty to those who have helped you in the past. So I can't imagine if there's a character who, um, Torch maybe broke his loyalty to, who was who like can say? close who to, can say? Um, who can say? in order to like achieve an objective. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out today. Maybe. Uh, Cool. So we're flipping back to my next backstory question because we're just weaving back and forth for podcast mm-hmm. format. Um, here, I choose my bond. So I fill out the bond pillar with one other player. That means you and I, this is pretty unique, are going to go to the bond pillar on page 20. Um, note that given this is a playtest, all of these page numbers are subject to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and we choose two desires for the bond, like any other pillar, but only you and I, even if there are more players, it's just you and me. The desires available are increased intimacy, shared goals, total honesty, guardianship, sacrifice, ideological unity, mutual understanding, debts forgiven, debts repaid, recognition of the self through the other, and apotheosis. One of those immediately jumps out to me, and I know the one that I want to pick. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. The one that immediately grabs me, the one that like um, that I'm, I I think is really compelling for what we've set up so far is mutual understanding, mm. particularly because uh, Torch is a liar, and Tall does not care about honesty, and the idea that. We have that like our bond is rooted in a mutual understanding in spite of that tells us a lot about who each who these two characters are in that the idea that like probably over the course of the jobs that we've worked together, we see each other and we we recognize we we understand those things about the other person. It's that old um uh, not to not to jumpstar franchises for a hot second, but it is that it is that uh that Garrick and Bashir quote of uh of like everything is true, especially the lies, right? Like it's that <sighs> vibe of like of like we both know who we really are, especially when we are when we are lying and and dropping untruths. Yep. Yep, absolutely. It's this sense of like I don't know what you're doing, but I have learned who you are. Yeah. And therefore, I'll trust you. Yeah. Um, I love that. That's fantastic. There's real honor among thieves energy of like, I know that I know that you're lying, but that's that's part of why I trust you. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's probably connected to shared goals is the one I'm imagining for the other desire. Mm-hmm. It's like, like that only works if both of us are here to do the same thing. Um, and like, we have to stay on the same page, even as we change or this stops working. Um, I love that. I really love that. Cool. 
So we've got our desires for the bond. Um, there's all of the moves, but those get used in play. Uh, so the bond is done. Let's go ahead and do your next question. Yes, um, indeed. Uh, one thing that I have sacrificed and one thing I am fighting for. Um, if it is all right with you, I no, I think I want to keep them as a separate. I want to keep them as a separate character. I think. I think. I think I am going to change this and make the thing that I am fighting for. Uh. So la- well, now I'm I'm going back and forth is where I'm at because the last time I chose that I sacrificed the defector that showed me that people can improve, and I'm debating if this is if this is a thing, if this is the thing that uh, has changed in the ten years, or if that is already something that has happened to Torch. What do you think is the more compelling option? Um, probably some some editing here, but. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to run by you is maybe just for the sake of time, we do that. Um, we just keep it the same. That sounds um, good. Because we have, we have a lot of other stuff to play with. So Yeah, I think that feels good. Cool. So yeah, I think what, I think I've sacrificed the the defector that showed me that people can improve, and I think that that probably has happened recently, right? That happened on my last mission. Oh, in fact, what I'm imagining is the act of doing that is also setting you on this path towards being willing to sacrifice other people, right? That feels great. That feels really, really good. Maybe, yeah, because, like, that puts, that makes Torch, like, actively, so here's the, here's the crisis that Torch is in, and the thing that I am then fighting for is, oh, it's an opportunity to live a different life at this point. Yeah. Fuck. Because, like, what, the crisis that Torch is facing is that, like, his last assignment that Tall was probably also on. So maybe we can even flesh out who this defector is together a little bit. Totally. Um, because like who this defector was, they were sacrificed in our last assignment, something that we were on together. And the, the, the harsh, brutal reality is that setting that person up and sacrificing them netted us the success of the mission yeah and like we got something out of that right like we got something valuable out of that i've got a pitch for you hit me so um i'm jumping a little ahead in my playbook but i've got a contact in my playbook so we're going to do relationships later Mm -hmm. um that is a cynical or petulant newcomer that i wish my comrades wouldn't trust or rely on as much as they do and what i'm wondering is by sacrificed do we want to read that as saying not like they died but you captured them and are using them in some way that is putting them in harm's way or will kill them, a.k.a. this mission that we do today orients around a defector that we are using as bait or to enter something or for a trade. That's really excellent, especially – so, yeah, that's really excellent. I have an idea of who I would love to propose that being. Yes. Um – Especially because I have a mercenary or connected mandate officer that I can leverage. If we can make those the same character, if if this is a friendly, if this is a friend, like a friendly and jovial defect, uh, like like officer in the process of defecting, like this assignment is them is the is them defecting, and this is us like actively leveraging their sort of connections, and they're just. A person that everyone likes, and we are we are actively using that to our advantage. I think that's perfect. Yeah, that feels great. Cool. So 
Uh, do you want to pick? I, I know we're skipping around, but I say you can totally skip around if you want to. Yep. Uh, mercenary or connected? I think connected makes sense. Based connected on what you feels said. connected feels right. I think connected feels right. I think they've got friends left, right, and center. They know they know someone who knows someone who knows someone. Cool. And from the loyal, and it says in the rulebook, if you want to pick your relationships to be the same person, that's great. It builds connections between your character. I have cynical or petulant. So petulant is very inspired. That's one of the new traits from going rogue. And it's very inspired by director Krennic. Like they complain and they narc and they throw fits. Um, or are they like cynical? Are they like, um, like totally in it for themselves and don't, um, think that like any other loyalty is due and that like all that matters is watching out for yourself do you have a, a sense of which one of those is more interesting to you i'm leaning petulant but i know petulant, it's not the, like friends. petulant so petulant and connected combines gives me cocktail in their hand all like socialite diplomat totally. and that is so much fun to play with that i that like uh i get like that old that extremely like uh I get arrested development vibes. Uh-huh. I get like I get I get we've roped a bluth into this vibes and like that feels like such a fun person to both set up and have them unexpectedly like reveal something to us. Uh that sets up both comedy and tragedy in a really fun way. How is Vero Obrit for their name? Vero Obrit is a spectacular name. <laughs> Great. Okay. Cool. That is our our character. Um, Vero Obrit, um, and he's a diplomat. Um, let's see, we'll call him director because I've decided that the mandate uses director for diplomats. That feels um, great. And, uh, connected and, uh, petulant. And for those who don't know, these words give them three NPC moves, um, called, and they're called traits, and they give them moves that they can use, and they get attached to a pillar. And I think D- Director Vito Obrit is definitely attached to the mandate. That feels good. That feels great. Cool. Um, so that was your backstory question. It just also led us naturally, um, into mm-hmm. that. Um, and I've attached Vito Obrit to the mandate on our play doc. So it is time for my backstory question, um, which is, how did your bond earn your trust? I haven't actually figured this one out yet because I have saved you from imminent death, told you hard truths you needed to hear, showed you the error of your ways, gave you something to believe in, sheltered you when you needed it most, spared you when they could have killed you, or reprogrammed you. I don't think it's truths because that's not what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it is sparing me because I think I have always sort of been on the same side. I'm leaning towards sheltered when I need it most, gave you something to believe in, or saved me from imminent death. Do any of those three make the most sense to you? I, c- I could also show you the error of your ways if I was like a criminal and using my powers like not for good and I was getting disillusioned and you were like, this is what you need to be doing. That's really great because it adds like an it adds it it adds a little bit of like it adds that hits those perfect notes of like heroism and also menace. Um, I think that I think that that gives that's great because it gives that really like strong note of both like heroism and menace. If it is I am giving you if it is like you are a criminal, right? You like you said, you are you are criminal. You are you are. I have a great idea. Losing that that drive. And I was like, there's something you can fight for. 
I think it actually is a little like a bit of spared you when they could have killed you. What it is, is you were on a mission and I was like hired out to be on the other side. I'm the member of like a crime syndicate, something like the, the huts, uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you could tell I didn't want to shoot. Like I was supposed to stop you in some way. And I didn't because you could tell my heart wasn't in it. Um, and I was using my skills as a like talented, like strong, capable, uh, fighter for in a way that like didn't, that made me feel empty. And you were like, instead of shooting me, you were like, you didn't fire. You don't want to do this. Come with me. Let's make a difference. Um, I, I, I love that. I almost want to, and I want to almost propose something. Um, if we're, if we're, if we're fully playing in some idle dreaming space here, I think that like sometime, like, like there's, there's a moment of like, you didn't shoot me. And like, there's a moment of like, we have this moment and what ends up happening is like, I, I track you down later to, to be like, I am presenting you with an offer. Yes, absolutely. Like, I know, like, at the, in the moment, I, in the moment, it was just like, I know you don't want to do this. Like, I know that, I know your heart's not in it. And then later, we get, like, we get a cantina scene, because every Star Wars knockoff has got to have a cantina scene, where Torch is, where Torch approaches you like, look, you don't have to be here for this. You don't have to be involved in wh- what you're doing. You could go be a hero. And I think that he probably, he says that with a sense of, like, it's right. He's right on that line of if he believes that heroes exist or not, or if he's yeah. saying that because he knows it's what she wants to hear. And like, this is an example of when the mercy that Torch no longer has in our previous game, mm-hmm. that's when it paid off. That's an yeah. example of the power of that mercy. But this this session will also show us the example of the, the shortcomings of it. And I yep. love that contrast. Yep, that's great. That's very, very good. Awesome. Okay, so uh, relationships left and right, and then we get into play. Questions All left right. and right? Um, I've already done one relationship. Uh, I'm going to do one more. Um, though if you have ideas for your, you have two relationships. The spy gets one extra and I'd like, my excuse is that it's because spies are connected. And my real reason is I love Cassian Andor and this game happened because of him. And, uh, I just, uh, it, it's, um, it's my favorite. I understand. <laughs> so understand. Um, but yeah, let's see. I, yeah, I'm looking at these, uh, and the first one that pops into my head, especially for a young torch, um, I think having, having a friendly mechanic who services my ship and weapons on the sly, if this is a young torch that hasn't like started burning bridges yet, that idea that like, he just has a lot of friends and he has friends that, that like do him services and like help him out with stuff. I think he maybe relies a little bit more on like his personal network than maybe the artificial networks that he will come to like construct as a hardened spy in the future. I think that makes a lot of sense. I am going to go with the vengeful figure with a vendetta against me. Um, so vengeful is one of the the new traits from going rogue and i think specifically this is my former crime boss mm-hmm. um let's see what is her name sira silen um sira silen is the uh vengeful crime boss with a vendetta against me um 
and she is attached to the scum and villainy um, uh, pillar. I'm guessing yours is connected to the liberation pillar. Yeah, that feels that feels right. That feels right. Awesome. And I imagine there's a chance she could come up today. Um, cool. And you have one more relationship. I do, and I'm thinking of pulling uh, from what we had last time. That feel, pulling from what I came up with last time, which is my scheming superior officer. Yes, I, I, I really like that idea. I like that, like, um, the idea of a superior officer who of a scheming superior officer as like. As one of the calcifying presences of our story, the idea that like that authority figure is the one that shapes the that shapes torch and shapes the intelligence feels really, really nice. That sounds great. So Tylo Grenzik, I remember is the name. Scheming. I don't remember what Tylo's pronouns were. Do you want to use they them? They them, yeah, that sounds great. Cool. Um awesome. So we've got all our relationships. All right. And finally ask left and ask right so um do you have i'm gonna ask one of my questions first which is do you feel you deserve my complete faith in you if you asked me 10 years from now my answer would be yes even if i even if i knew i was going to betray you my answer would be yes now 10 years earlier my answer is no i think that i think that like i it's that it's that doubt in that sense of self right uh, for 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 better or for much much worse it's that doubt in that sense of i have to believe in like i ha- i don't yet believe that i am acting in complete confidence even if i am acting harmfully and that is not necessarily a good thing I mean, arguably, I'd say I'm a I'm I'm a better person right now. But in this moment, I'm I doubt that that I that you do, that you should trust me fully because I may I may hurt you. Yes, absolutely. Um, also, playtest note: I'm changing it to Do you feel you deserve my complete faith in you? Why? Because these questions should never be yes or no questions. You're a great role player. You answered it anyway. But trying to make sure someone focuses on mm-hmm. that why that you answered is a thing that should be in here. So I've noticed that feels that good. Yeah, that feels really good. That feels that 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 makes a lot of sense. I, I innately just jumped into the why, but I think having that on the page is the right call. Yeah, awesome. Um, and oh, ask left and right. I'm using these words. These are questions that you usually ask around the table to connect you to other characters. But there's only one other player. So to my left and to my right is Jeff. Um, so do you want to ask me a question? I do. I actually, I, I wasn't originally going to ask this question, but like with the relationship that we've built, I think there's a really nice opportunity to flesh that out and give us a little bit of a, a scene of like what our bond looks like. What's a lie that you've caught me in and how did it make you feel? Absolutely. And it needs to be a lie that this early version of Torch is capable of. And I think... The only way that happens is you've been told to lie. Mm. Um, And so it needs to be before I, um, like later Torch would lie to me, but this Torch is doing it because he's told to. And it's probably early before I have the same like information access or trust that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I imagine Tylo has sent you to recruit me and you were told that like, if that, if you recruit me, 
I will be safe from retribution by members of my criminal outfit, like the, mm-hmm. the criminal syndicate, that like I have the liberation's protection, um, that in fact they'll like buy me off. Um, and that's just not true. Um, but I don't learn this until the first time they send a hit after me. And by that time, I've been working with you for a while. And I have seen Tylo. And I have come to understand. I've watched you turn assets. And I go, that's what you had to do. Like, not, I don't say that to you. In fact, I don't think I talk to you about it. But like my internal understanding of what happened is, yeah, that is what you needed to do to turn me. Well, I hope you keep me safe. Um, these are all internal, but I think you do, at least at this point. You probably I think would. I probably I probably I mean I I like to I imagine uh I think Torch probably even like dispatches that that hit person, right? Like that's that what is, I was thinking. That's, that's a, like definitely Torch just Torch just murks them without mercy or without questions and is and it's it's like it adds that it adds that detail of like the intelligence is uh is the, the intelligence of the parliament is not going to offer you any protection, but like Torch is both because uh, because he cares about you and because you are valuable to him. Yes, absolutely. And telling the difference between that is always very tough. Yeah. Um, for both of us. My next question is, what is one time that I saved your life? One time you saved my life is... I think it was our first mission together. We... We were uh, sent to recover like a data disk. We were sent to recover files on files on the mandate that would allow us to like get a real a real early tactical advantage, right? Like maybe some political dirt that would really like galvanize these firebrand politicians. And in doing so, like I think that I think uh, Torch being a young spy decides to launch an entire like sting operation or like a scheme and like a grift and do a whole thing. And part of what tall does to save my life is like some, like, I think there's a moment where there's a moment where like, we got to just shoot our way out of it. Yep. Like you're still trying to talk. You are like actively talking and I pull you back, step in front of you and start blasting. Yeah. And like it is and it is it it, it clears the table. I think I think there's like a, a notable element of like clearing the table because like it's I've I've become caught in my own series of like spinning lies and like because I was in my head like. I got to have I got to have cover stories and I got to be doing this, this and this because this is what spies do. And I think that you saved my life. And the thing that I, 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 the way that that's changed me is I have realized I have to, like, I've realized that there is an efficiency, right? I think that maybe, maybe the next mission that we go on, the next episode of this limited series, we see, we see that play out differently, right? We see a a sense of like brutal efficiency of like, we have one lie, we have one plan. And if that doesn't go right, then bodies start hitting the floor. Yep. And I demonstrated that for you. Yeah. And save your life in the process. Okay. Yep. Your last question. Then we happen to play. Um, I'm going to, f- I'm going to go the opposite side of that and say, 
Uh, no, I'm not going to, I was going to go with my actions, put you at risk, but I want to go with how have my unique connections and information been invaluable to you recently? I think I have asked you to leverage your connections to extricate me from that criminal syndicate. Mm. Um, like I know it's not what we're supposed to do. Um, but I can't, I can't have that target on my back. And it's like the one thing I've asked of you. I like, I really, really like that. That's fantastic. Cool. Cool. Um, and I think that could also come back to bite us in interesting ways. That feels yeah. like it sets us up with all of the tools that we need to hop into this. Yeah. I, 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 I have a very clear picture in my head of where I want us to drop in. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I am going to pick up, uh, I am going to pick up, I think the intelligence playbook at this moment. Cause I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking in terms of Tylo and I'm thinking in terms of like the assignment, right? Yes. And I think that, um, even if we, even if I'm not explicitly making a move, I think this comes from Tylo. We are to, we are, we are using, uh, we are using director Vero and his connections, there is like a, there is a fancy party, right? Because Vero is going to be seen nowhere before he's seen at a fancy party. Yeah. And we are using him to get us into that party where we are going to find a piece of secret information. Totally. And that is going to be like the thing that we are going to leverage. Yeah. So I think um, if you want, we can start sort of um, and media res. Yeah. Um, and just, like, be at this party. We can either be, like, greeting him, but I actually am really interested, especially with time constraints, in just starting that, like, we have already taken Vero aside. Um, and Yeah, because I think, like, what's cool about that is, like, we get a flash of us, like, recruiting him. And I think that part of it is that, like, we might already have relationships with him, right? Like... Yes, it's we get we get flashes of like the the meetings that we've had that have been had with Vero and like we already kind of know him as our guy on the inside. And if you're all right with it, I would love to lean on the idea that like it's not a friendly sort of thing. It's not like a um, I guess we we did say defector. I just sort of like the idea that we are because because he has this like petulant air, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That we are in some way threatening him into this. Maybe he's even defecting um, because he thinks it is like safer for him. Like we've convinced him that the mandate is out to get him and his only safe thing to do is join with the liberation. Can I, can I, can I twist this knife even further? Go ahead. The game, the game text says he is a defector. Yes. We don't necessarily know that he has like made the decision to defect. Absolutely. Like we have like we have like this is a case where I think and I think that we're seeing that same we see that same lesson play out from Torch where it's you know and 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 it's this is that and and this is that moment where he is going he is maybe showing that people can change but he's showing it too late. Yeah. Like we have, we have concocted, we have created in our heads the idea that he is an asset that has to be manipulated. But what we have not pieced together, and sort of the dramatic irony and tragedy of that, is he was coming around. Like he was naturally going to reach up for as petulant and childish as he is, he was going to come around, and eventually, like, like had we had we, like 
he was going to help us out and we have we have like we have not pieced that together yes that's perfect and i have an opening shot if that's okay with give you it, like, go, this is give it give it cool. give it so like the very first thing we see on screen is like him being thrown back against a wall like he's in his like full fancy dress party uniform but he's thrown back against a metal wall and like stumbling on the floor looking up kind of scared um and he's like okay okay geez i i got it yes i'll i'll get you into the archives in the basement i that was already the plan you don't have to and he like puts his hands up over his head uh that is complain and gain a token and the mandate mm-hmm. games a token that's really very good. Um, and then reverse shot onto the two of us. And do you want to talk? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we come back to Torch and we come back to him. Uh, I think I think Tall is holding Vero to the wall. I think that feels right. That absolutely. feels like the right. That feels like the right person to be doing the hard intimidation. And I think. Um, Oh, fuck. There's an immediate... I'm gaining a token. <clears throat> yes. Excuse me. I'm gaining a token because there's an immediate moment that I want to see Tall's reaction to. I am going to lie to a comrade about my capabilities or intentions. Totally. I think that we see uh, Torch in his oversized coat, um, like, stand behind and just kind of mutter, like, look, you help us out. The liberation will protect you. The parliament will ensure that you are you are given what you need to survive. We have your back. How does Tal react when you hear the literal exact same lie? I think she like shakes him by the collar a little bit and goes, trust him. It's a lot better than the alternative. And... I think that in response to that, Vero, let me look at his traits for just a moment. I think that he probably, I think he does go along with it. Oh, I haven't put the connected moves in yet. One second. Because actually those could be useful here. If This could also be edited out. Cool. Those are now here. Um, Point someone towards who or what they're looking for and give them a token. Yeah, that feels good. That feels good. I think that I think that he kind of um he kind of gives like a quiet nod, right? Like this is the first time we've heard him shut up and we put him down and he gives a nod and um we get uh because not because Star Wars is nothing if not Star Wars is nothing if not uh a game of stealing things from other pop culture places. Yep. We get a Jazzy Ocean's 11 style montage. Uh-huh. Um, and like we pan over and there is, uh, like a mandate minister. Um, his name is Darkovian. Uh, his name is Darkovian. Um, let's go Dark. Let's go Dark. You know what? I said Darkovian. Um, we're going to go Darkovian. Um, his name is Darkovian. Um, Darkovian. Um, I love it. Darkovian. Um, is a, like a minister is like the, um, he is uh the minister of uh he is the mandate minister of uh of archival research yep he is he is a a large he is like a a large like a well a large and like you know connected powerful person who has access to these lower level archives 
And he's like, that's the person that we need to get, we need to get in with. Um, luckily, you know, he, uh, he and I have a long standing, have a long standing, uh, hold on. I have to pull something up real quick because this is important to me. And that is, uh, that I, I came up with a name for this specific term and I have to find what it is. Go ahead. Uh, because I wrote uh, a playbook that is for a network of spies. Um, and in it, one of the things that I came up with, because I realized uh, when I was writing the network, was like that you could also use it to make the Fast and the Furious gang. <laughs> so I have to find... There it is. Um, we have a, like, we have a long-standing, uh, we have a long-standing dart racer, uh, betting league that he and I are both in, and so, like, it should be easy to rope him into a conversation, and I believe that, like, once we have him in a conversation, we should be able to get those access codes from him, you know, either through manipulation or whatever it is that the two of you do. Awesome. I've given him the trait from the Going Rogue book, Trusting, which has, like, ignore a warning sign and gain a token, or yep. follow someone into a risky situation and give them a token. That's uh, great. Also, you now have two tokens because you used point someone uh, towards who or what they're looking for and give them a token from Vero's connected trait. So All two right. tokens for Torch. Two, tor- two tokens for Torch. Okay. So he points us in the direction of that guy. And yeah, I imagine we get like smash cut to a casino sort of deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And we see everything around. And the two of us are like looking um, f- out from across the thing at uh, Darkovian. Um, and... We still have Vero there, who's looking very nervous and is standing right in front of Tall, who definitely has a blaster in his back, um, mm-hmm. but they're standing close enough not to be able to see that. Um, and I think, I think Tall says, I don't like how out in the open we are. And I think, um, like, I think you say that, I think you say that, and um, I am spending a token no yeah i'm spending a token i'm spending one of torch's tokens on a strong move uh which is reveal that a tool you need is already on hand concealed and i think that you say that and then you glance and torch is um this is a this is a big moment for the show we see torch in the mandate uniform that he will wear uh in the follow-up series and he's like I don't know what you mean. We're exactly where we belong. We are just two people on the job. Um, I think she like looks at you and looks back to Vero like suspiciously and says, you're the boss. Um, and I think uh, Vero from there is like, can we can we just go talk to him before she fuck she shoots me? Yes, I believe that is exactly the plan. Um, cool. I've got a good idea for what I'm going to do once we start that conversation. So let's assume we go over to yeah. I think that we I think that we we get a uh, we get a swirling of an outer space roulette table, and then like the camera does like a swoop pan or does a swoop cut, uh, and then we are at the next scene. Like we are at the table. Uh, it is it is Vero. It is Torch. It is Tall, and it is uh, Darkovian. Cool. Can you introduce yourself to Darkovian? And then yes. I'll take him. Um, I think Torch, I think, um, uh, I think that, um, I think, uh, little words, brain reset. Uh, Vero sits down 
and like leans forward and like points at um we see like a hologram of a dart racer race going on and like points and goes uh that racer's jet engine is about to explode i hope that that's not who you bet on and um uh darkovian or uh vera says that to darkovian and darkovian bristles immediately what that stopped (laughs) that is not at all you are you are you are you have once again wandered halfway into a race and kaboom Um, See, this is why I don't bet without you, Vero. You have uh, you have an eye for these things. You have an incredible understanding of the wheels that make the dart races work. And frankly, uh, it, I, I may not always like that we end up on different sides of the bets, but it is certainly something that I do respect. Thank you, Director Obrit. Uh, I've always appreciated your um, confidence. He seems pretty sarcastic on the last word. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks... Uh, uh, Obrit over and then looks at the other two. I, uh, don't recognize your friends. Who have you brought here today? Ah, uh, this is, um, and he pauses for a moment. Um, and I think that he, I think he pauses for a moment and I want to, uh, put us in some trouble. Cause that feels like, that feels like a good moment to put us in some trouble is like, uh, that we just did not think to give ourselves fake names. Absolutely. Um, and we sort of assumed he'd be able to keep up and he can't. Yeah. Um, I think we see like um, the, he's like struggling like for a while, like five or 10 seconds or like five seconds before Torch stands up, like says something. Um, and in that time, one of like two of, the Darkovian's guards step up and start drawing their blasters from behind the three of them, um, which is going to be put a bonded character in immediate danger and gain a token. Um, and the bond gains one token. Um, and as those blasters get drawn, Tall does not wait. She pulls her blaster, and as she does so, they knock it out of her hand, um, and then they start beating up on her, ignoring Torch, as if, like, ah, we've rooted out the spy. So suddenly there's a brawl between the two guards and Tall. I am using the vulnerable move uh, for the loyal, which is get involuntarily separated from a bonded character. (laughs) Um, And Tall is immediately being dragged off not saying anything um and darkovian looks at vero and and then looks at you and says why have you brought trouble to my betting table um oh yeah i'm spending a token um i am i am absolutely uh spending a token um to make a strong move here uh, and I think the strong move that I am making is uh, I think that uh, unsheaths his own blaster. I think Torch unsheaths his blaster, sets it to the neck of Vero, and uh, like throws a grin and moves you and your comrades around an obstacle that you would be unable to overcome directly. And I think the obstacle here is Darkovian, uh, is Darkovian himself, right? I think that and I think that uh, the, the, the way that he overcomes it is by smiling. And he goes, 
Come on now. Come on now, Minister Um, I'm certain that by now you've recognized that this mandate costume is a high-quality forgery. Certainly you would recognize you as someone experienced in spotting undercover mandate investigations officers would recognize a double bluff to spot a person that was a little too willing to make friends and like kind of gives that distinct smile that I think that we recognize from 10 years from now as like uh as like a I am presenting this as Vero I am presenting this fully as Vero uh brought someone unintentionally to get Darkovian off of Torch's back so that Tarkov so that uh, the heat goes on to Vero, and then uh, Torch can dispatch with these guards. Okay, so the idea that, like, you are mandate intelligence trying to, like, root out a leak, and so you were trying to show that Vero was untrustworthy? Yeah. I love that, absolutely. Um, and that, is a, that is a big prominent sacrificing of a defector that was, go- that, that was going to change. <laughs> yeah, and I think Darkovian Ohm trusting ignores a warning sign and gains a token mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. he looks at vero looks at you and goes well i've never really cared for him anyway guards take him with the other one um and two more guards step up and vero starts um yelling uh or vero has an explosive outburst at someone and gives them a token but i guess that's just back to himself oh no has it at um you so you gain another token um and he's yelling as he's being dragged off you liar you liar you said we were on the same side you said that we we would work together you said and then they like clock him Mm -hmm. um leaving you standing alone with darkovian ohm and his trust and don't worry, I will bring Tal back into this. There's plenty of ways to read in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think this I, is a really good scene of the two of you across the That is each a other. great scene of the two. I think, um, I think, so I, if I could, I'd love to spend a token from, I'd love to spend a token, uh, from the pillar. Yeah. Um, I, cause I think there is a moment, there is a moment of, um, I think that the, um, the message that we communicate that no one listening understands, there is like a genuine moment where um, Torch does what to all appearances looks like a um, looks like just a, a weird little gesture in the way that like in the way that you would expect a quirky detective. Like he he makes he makes a Columbo on the on the fly is the best way to put it. He does a little spin in his stool of like wonderful and kind of twirls his blasters he puts it away spins on the stool and there is like a hot second there's like a moment there's like a glance where tall and torch lock eyes and they both like we lock eyes and we have a moment where we both like non-verbally check in with each other of like you good you got this absolutely and i think um tall just like spits on the ground and that is her communicating to you, I'll be fine. Like, that is her signal for I'll be fine. Is and, then a, the and, and then, a, like, we get a spit on the ground and then a punch immediately. And it's like, yeah, she'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we've now got the two knocked out ones being dragged away. You mm-hmm. across the table from Vero. 
um, with his trust. Or, um, yeah, with Dar- Darkovian. Oh, sorry, yes, with Darkovian, with his trust. And for, for viewers at home, that was the pillar, the strong move from the Bond pillar. Communicate mm-hmm. a secret message to another Bonded character, which no one else listening understands. Um, and if you're down for it, I would love to open up to the two of them in a cell. So, like, That's she gets punched, and it knocks her out, and the scene ends with the knockout. And then we wake up the two of them across from each other. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, um, I think uh, the two of them are, are sitting in that cell. I'm going to check my moves really quick. Um, yeah, cool. Um, I would like to put a token immediately onto the bond. Yep. Because I want to make a vulnerable move. Yeah, and and lash out and lash out. Uh, yeah, I want to lash out. I think that I think that when you come to uh, torch, the first thing he says on the other side of the cell is like, "I thought you said you had it." I love that absolutely, and I think uh, Tall looks back up and like Vero is still knocked out um, next to her, and she goes, "Oh, what is it? Let me give me a second. We've been working together long enough that you should know a cell like this doesn't hold me for long. Why aren't you back with the mark? And I think that, um, I think that, like, um, let me look at my moves here, because I think this is a moment to make, like, a, a, a vulnerable move on my part. Totally. Because I initially, because part of it is that I initially, I miss, I for, I, I initially misunderstood uh, who the second person in the cell was. But I think there's an incredibly juicy opportunity. Oh, I, uh, I, I also have another offer because yeah, I was imagining the other person in the cell was um, Vero, and I was actually going to have a me and Vero scene oh, where yeah, we that's sort of, great. and then, then let's then let's would, let's let's completely rewind and have the two of you in the cell while Torch. I think that we see Torch, like, we just get, like, brief shots of Torch, like, charming Darkovian. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. And I, and I imagine we could even have what we just suggested happen at the end of this scene. So, like, yeah. you approach the cell after this. Yeah. Um, cool. So, um, we we kn- knocked out, open up, me waking up before Vero, and um, I think I just, like, put my boot on Vero's shoulder and, like, shove him against the wall to try and wake him up. Um, and I think that he, um, he, he comes to, um, he comes to, I'm putting a token on him because he comes to complaining. <laughs> he just comes to like, ow, oh, God, my eye and the, the, uh, my shoulder. I have a, I have a bad shoulder. I thought that that was very well communicated. I don't know why this is, <laughs> This is, this is, I, we have a dedicated cell block a, a, the for directors. He, he locked, like, talks for that long. She grabs him by the collar again, yanks him forward so that, like, his head bounces back against his back. <laughs> um, and goes, it's your fault that we're in here in the first place. Do you really want to test my patience and blame me? You said that he could be trusted. And he sits for a moment and um, I am going to complicate someone's vision of freedom, which is a move from the from the liberation. Cool. 
Or actually, let me let me alternately look elsewhere. I do have an idea for kind of where I want to take this conversation. If he's just like blubbering, I think, but you're welcome to. I think there's more. a. I think there's a. I think this is a good opportunity to reveal a twist, and I think that what that twist is going to look like. Oh, I know exactly what it is. I'm going to offer help and solidarity and ask you to complete a task. Absolutely. Um, and if you accept, give you a token. Um, this is a move from the intelligence playbook. Yeah. And, um, what it is, is he says, yeah, I thought we were all on the same team. They had, I was told, I, Grenzik, Grenzik told me that if we, that if I cooperated, I would have a position, I would have a chair. I thought that that was all conveyed. I thought that this was all, I thought that, didn't you, did you hear that I was, like, wh- like, why are you treating me like this? Listen, and I'm going to use the bond move, vent to a character not sharing this bond about another bonded character without talking to them first. And mm. the bond will gain a token. Um, and so uh, she goes, listen, when you work with Torch, you can trust that he's going to get the job done. Your safety is not part if your safety is not part of the job then it doesn't matter and if you want to last as long as i have you better get with that program because if you're in the way and she like moves some of her clothing aside and shows a scar let's just say i've learned to put myself in the way because it feels better that way at least at and that she, moment, like, tosses uh, me at, Go ahead. at that moment, I am spending. Uh, I am spending a token to like cut over. In I said we were seeing these montage shots. I think that we see Torch like pull off the rest of the job, right? Like I think that he uh, we get like a montage shot of him and Darkovian like walking and chatting and like uh, like they've got glasses in their hands and like they walk through the halls. We see to like um, I am. I am revealing a crucial piece of, in- or I'm revealing a tool you need is already on hand concealed. I think that like we like because he's already trusting and I have that trust. We see him walk by. We see him implant a little like, uh, like USB driver, like the Star Wars equivalent into a into a like a computer, and like effortlessly kind of walk off. And the last thing that we see before we segue over to him entering onto this scene is he turns a corner and we get a close up shot of his face. And it does not look happy. Mm, absolutely. And then we cut back. Um, I like getting that moment of just like him. Um, yeah. Un- unhappy, unhappy at the situation. Yeah. I love the idea of just like, he knows that this is how to succeed, but he's still only just learning how to like tolerate that. And um, I think um, we kind of, we, we pan back over and, um, Finish up what you're saying to Vero. I think that I think that he does kind of say like, yeah, look, you just need to get me out of here. Like, I'm happy to do what you need. You just got to get me out of here. Um, and she steps up, um, goes over to the door um, and like reaches and pulls out a concealed blaster. Mm. Um, and because this is Star Wars, she just shoots a door panel and yeah, it goes loose. Um, and, um, she's like, you're not, um, 
you were a means to an end, Firo. And, well, Torcha's already at the end. And she shuts the door behind her. Mm. Um, and then, like, yanks it to, like, stick it in place. Um, discover a threat to someone who does not share your bond. And uh, uh, choose not to protect them and gain a token. Mm. Um, does Vero have a reaction to that? Um, I think that like if the door is is the if did you say you're shooting the door open or locking it shut? Uh, once I get out, like I slip out immediately, oh, and then I it. like ram it shut and like really stick it into the wall in some way. Maybe like shoot at the wall to like melt it a little bit. So basically, mm-hmm. I relock it behind me manually. Um, I am going to, uh. I am going to put someone in immediate danger and give them a token off of the mandate pillar uh, because he's got one token left. And I think what it is, is he, um, I think that he is, he starts swearing vengeance. And I think that it is, it is very specifically like, um, like screaming into, into his communicator that like he has been set up. There is a, there is a spy breaking loose and you hear the breakout and I have another very big moment. Um, I have another very big moment that I want to drop in to really like uh, throw this bond. I think into it. Like if we're seeing this, if we're seeing this, I think there's a moment that I got to throw this bond into disarray. Yeah, because I think what it is is um, uh, I am going to put a po- token onto the pillar bond by putting a bonded character immediately in danger, and I think like um. You're, you 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 walk out into a hallway, some elevator doors opened, and Torch steps off of it. Torch steps off of it. He sees you down here. And his face is like, his face is rock hard, and he's like, I thought that you had this. I thought that you were in control of the situation. Why are you not, why are you still here? Why have you not made your entire way off, the sh- off of the station? She like, looks for the first time looks genuinely disturbed um and she's like i i wasn't gonna leave until i had you torch i i thought you were gone i thought you were already gone and that this wasn't gonna be an issue okay we need to go we need to go now and as he's saying that the doors open and this is what puts you in danger. Uh, what is the name of the crime boss that you that you pissed off? Oh, what is the name? Did I put that in there? Let me check scum and villainy. Um, Sira Silen. Sira Silen. Uh, Sira Silen steps off of that elevator with Darkovian Alm. And we, we see that that casino. was... We see that is the face, that is the reaction face that he made. Like we get we get the flashback to that and we see him make that face. Uh-huh, he and saw it's Sira. because Darkovian goes, Oh, this is my friend. Ah, uh, hello. Allow me to introduce the investigator that helped us root uh root a mandate leak today. And he is like, uh and then like and then we see at that moment, um, like we see at that moment, uh, we hear on the comms like this like there is an escaped person, blah 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 blah, and uh, Sierra like stits up like you have someone in your holding cells, a runaway spy. You say, I think I'd like to meet them. 
Um, can I can I make another suggestion? Because I please. really like. Yes, please. Yeah, totally. Um, I like the because like I'm I am outside of the cell now, and like the elevator opens and the two of them see me. Um, mm-hmm. and I love the idea that like you you've said all these things to me, and they've just communicated to her that there's um this runaway spy, and then she sees me. Oh, that's even better. If they were just coming down here for business and then they hear on the communicator that someone has escaped, she sees you and like the, the, the everything clicks. Yes. And pistols go out. Um, like she draws and I'm between the two of you and I'm going to, um, use my uh, move from the loyal, which is, uh, draw a fire and take a hit, but shrug it off. I grab your shoulder throw you behind me trusting that you've already gotten the data we said like we saw you Mm -hmm. accessing a system and i just throw myself forward putting my shoulder forward and take the blaster bolt into my shoulder um yelling to you get out um and i'm still barreling towards the elevator even with my shoulder down what do you do i am going Fuck, there's... Jess, there's a really good vulnerable move here that I think, like, is a really good closing beat here that hurts like a motherfucker. Yeah. The mission is bigger than any of us. Yeah. I think that I think that, that he, like, pauses and he reaches for that concealed blaster. And, like, he does just in time for one of the guards to, like, take aim at him, and he realizes that it's next to that data stick, right? Like, he's got the blaster, and he's got his data stick. He reaches for it, and he aims it, and he he mutters to himself, the mission is bigger than any of us. And, like, he shoots over one of their shoulders to cause a distraction, hoping that it'll give you the time to escape or do something, but he doesn't look back. He just shoots, takes the shot. And like he um he takes the shot and he just runs. He just books it. And um I think uh oh and I think I'm gonna take another token as he's running. Cause I think at that moment, um at that moment, uh as he's running by, right? We've seen you walk some hallways. He's running by. I think that um two guards are are have wedged out the door. And Vero is, like, stumbling out of it. And having heard that on the communicator in just a bout of fury, just pulls the gun and just puts one in his chest. Wait, you're saying, uh, like, torch as he's passing Vero? He passes, he passes the hallway and just puts one in Vero's chest. Like, you fucker, you ruined every- Like, you put us in this spot. You maybe killed my best friend. You're not walking out of here. Yes. And he never got that information that he was genuinely, like- an asset that was going to defect. Can I put something in the middle of these and have that be the closing beat? Yes, please. Cool. So you like make that distracting shot and book it, but the camera doesn't follow you. It stays on tall. Um, and like, um, tall, like barrels into the elevator. Um, and like immediately starts grappling with Sira, like the two of them like mm-hmm. knock their pistols out of each other's hands and they're grappling. But meanwhile, Darkovian is talking into his communicator. Um, and as they're fighting, um, Sira like looks at Darkovian and says, um, 
this one. And like, I punch Sira and she gets interrupted, but then she continues. She's, she's with the, the tall skinny one. Um, because she knows that you recruited me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so suddenly Darkovian knows and he reaches for his, um, communicator to like, like tell the, the security that you are also a problem. And in that moment, I see that. Tall sees that. Tall sees Sira going for the blaster. We see both hands, one for a communicator and one for the blaster. Mm -hmm. And Tall could reach for either. And I'm going to spend my final token to use the move, appear at just the right moment to protect someone. And because I'm using it on uh, the bond, uh, the token moves to the bond instead of being spent. And I let Sira grab the blaster. And I reach over and smash the communicator into his head, knocking him out. And Sira shoots me in the back, and I drop. <laughs> and, and so we, we see that we see you drop, and then we see Vero drop, and we see like alone on a on a turbo lift is just Torch sitting in that mandate uniform that we would see him in for that we would see him in 10 years from now to literally uh, borrow from the visual language of rogue one you know how rogue one ends with um them passing the plans through on leia's ship and like yep. the opening of a new hope we see you coming up on a turbo lift in that uniform and i imagine our previous episode opens with the exact same composition yep. shot of you in that uniform yep and i think that we get like we get like this really brutal, this like brutal sequence, right? Like this closing sequence where Torch is sitting, like Torch is sitting and like the blasters on the floor and like we see him process all of this and he has this little like visual breakdown and we see him go from like processing the emotions and grieving his friend and the anger that he had to kill, that he had to kill someone and like processing all of this. And as the, as the turbo lift goes up, we see him like kind of go blank faced yeah. And climb to his feet and climb to his feet and adjust his uniform, tweak the tweak the collar, make sure that the shoulders are right. So that like when we see that opening shot from our last episode of him stepping off of an elevator, he is perfectly prim and polished in his uniform in his in his imposter's uniform. Yep. And his theme that has been playing this whole episode shifts into minor key, and it's the one we heard in the other episode. Yep gorgeous what an ending holy shit yeah that ruled oh that was so much fun that was amazing oh i'm so happy that was incredible i love playing games with you thank you so much thank for you having me on. thank you this is so much fun i really appreciate it um, uh, so real quick before we wrap up where can people find you your work and going rogue online yeah, I'll tell you that in just a second. Would you mind if I said a little bit of just like playtesting things that I know? Oh, yeah, please, please. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, so I already talked about like adding that why. The biggest thing I noticed because I was playing the new playbook is that I had so little moves to do early on. Like once we were in the thick of it, I had so much that I could do vulnerable move wise yeah. to gain a token. But there was so little I could do before we were in trouble. Um, and like I could have introduced that trouble, but I didn't want to yet. And so I'm definitely going to go back to the drawing board and like either add more or replace a vulnerable move or two so that the um, like loyal isn't reliant upon already being in trouble or in the middle of a plan before they can gain tokens. Um, that feels good. That feels really good. Yeah, I think that I think that feels really good. And I think um I 
Yeah, that feels like it'll be good, and it feels like it would be a nice way to, like, it feels like it would be a really good opportunity for a vulnerable move that, like, kind of sets up those tests, right? Like, gives those opportunities, like, um, I'm thinking about the fact that the mandate has, like, foreshadow a threat and then immediate danger. And I think there's a really nice opportunity to kind of, like, have an early game vulnerable move that, like, sets up that things are going to go, sets up that things are going to go wrong. That makes so much sense. And it can, like, tie into the ways that the bond usually goes wrong. That's perfect. Um, How did you feel about the pillar moves on the bond or the bond moves in general? Is there any that you... I really loved the bond. I loved the bond moves. I I think the one that the one area that I was maybe uh, I I think um the one area that I was maybe struggling with. Yeah. Is I would have liked a vulnerable character move along those same lines like I think I think either Either the playbook, the bonded, uh, either the loyal or the bond needs that like early game vulnerable move because like there was like it was it was tough to to put a token onto the bond to use the pillar moves. And I think it was a little bit of a struggle to be like, hey, I want to make a vulnerable move early on to put the tension onto that character so that we can unlock those lateral and strong moves. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. I have the put a bonded character in immediate danger and gain a token, and it sounds like maybe I should move that to something more like the mandates foreshadow a threat, and that might really... Um, that might be good. That might be really good. Perfect. Cool. Um, it's it's really nice to get to do this, both to get to show some playtesting, and uh, mm-hmm. it's also very funny because I noticed when I was listening to the Galactic episode that it's actually an early playtesting version of Galactic as well. Like, some of the things that are mentioned aren't in the um, mm-hmm. released version of 2E, so in a long-standing tradition of, of showing some ongoing versions of It is, of this it game. is, and I enjoy it and I appreciate it. Cool. Um, now would you like me to answer your question? Yes, please. Uh, let us know where we can find the game and where uh, people can find you and your work online. Absolutely. So you can find all of my work on jessfrom.online. That's my website. Um, I write science fiction. I've been in a couple magazines. I make music. I write games. I do a variety of things. You can find all of that and more on jessfrom.online. You can find my games specifically on jessfromonline.itch.io, which includes Going Rogue 2E um, and includes I Have the High Ground, which is my crowdfunded game from this year, which is a two-player dueling game of banter, posturing, and capes. You can also hear Jeff and I play that on Party of One and it's one of my favorite actual plays I've ever recorded. Uh, So that's there too. Um, If you're interested in hiring me for freelancing, uh, I do both writing and editing. I'm doing some TTRPG writing right now. So you can also inquire about that on jessfrom.online. And finally, if you are listening to this on release day or release week, um, Going Rogue 2E just came out and there is a bundle uh, that gets you Going Rogue and the base game, Galactic 2E by Riley Rethel, uh, all for in one bundle and at a significant discount. And so you can find that by going to my itch or by going to justfrom.online slash rogue bundle. And of course, that'll be in the show notes. So check out Going Rogue, check out the bundle, uh, check out I Have the High Ground. And uh, yeah, you can find all of that and more. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This game was uh, just the absolute fucking best. It was everything that I wanted it to be. I am so thrilled with it. Uh, But for now, I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take a future me. 
Thanks, Pass Me. And thanks again to Jess for coming on to the show. Jess, that game was... I know that I said this. I know that I said this in the intro. I know that I say this on the Itch.io page. Like, I've said this a lot. But this game is so fucking cool. And I love it so much. And I had such an absolutely great time playing it that I just want to scream about how cool this game is. Oh, the story that we told is amazing. And I love this sort of dark, compromised prequel that we've made. I just, I want to I wanna live in the world of these characters for as long as possible because it's so freaking good. Whew. And with that said, be sure to pick up your own copy of Going Rogue 2nd Edition at jessfromonline.itch.io and be sure to follow Jess on Twitter at jessfromonline. Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod, like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash partyofonepodcast. Join our Discord community to talk to us about the show at bit.ly slash partyofonediscord. And if you enjoyed the show, consider backing us on Patreon or Ko-fi at patreon.com slash jeffstormer or ko-fi.com slash jeffstormer to get bonus content such as ad-free episodes, such as early access, uh, raw audio of episodes, bonus content such as the long-lingering single-player actual play that I've been threatening to make for five years, Party of None. You can find all of that and more at patreon.com slash jeffstormer or ko-fi.com slash jeffstormer. You can also head to bit.ly slash party of one merch and pick up a party of one t-shirt, sticker, notebook. They have a bunch of stuff there. All of it's got the party of one logo and some fun designs, such as the take it past me, thanks future me t-shirt designed by friend of the show, Caro Assertion. That you can find at bit.ly slash party of one merch. And lastly, if you're looking for a brand new podcast to check out, I say brand new as if it's not six years old, you can check out all my fantasy children. Uh, a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast on the OneShot Podcast Network, in which every week, my best friend Aaron Catano, Saez, and I take a listener-submitted prompt. We spin it into an original fantasy character and populate a shared universe, one story at a time. New episodes drop every Friday-ish at OneShotPodcast.com. Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Mega Rain, featuring the D&D Sluggers, and the Party of One logo is by Evan Rowland. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates, coming onto the show as a guest, or about press coverage of the show, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And I think that's all we do here. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always... Party on, everybody.